Welcome to the Sony Pictures Network's Go Beyond podcast where we go beyond the surface and uncover the extraordinary. I'm your host Akshay Kapoor and today on the show we have a man who spends his life investigating forgotten mysteries and uncovering lost truths. Notable historian, best-selling author and deep-rooted melophile. One of his most notable collaborations is the Archive of Indian Music, which documents recordings of Indian maestros thought to be lost to time. Winner of the Yuva Puraskar and the ARSC International Award for Excellence in Historical Research. His accolades today overshadow the perhaps very unassuming beginnings of his journey to uncover India's historical heritage. It is with honest enthusiasm that I welcome India's very own Indiana Jones, Dr. Vikram Sampath. Vikram <laughs> With all the technical hiccups we faced, I must say thank you for overcoming Murphy's law to be here. Thank you, Akshay. Uh, you you really made me sound much better than what I actually am. So thank you for the new epithet of being the Indiana Jones of India. So thank you. Thanks. It's a great pleasure to be here. One of the things that you and Indiana Jones perhaps have in common is uh, a thirst for uncovering historical mysteries and and perhaps the adventure that goes along with it. I want to ask you, where did it all begin? Well, the journey actually actually was very very serendipitous. In fact, uh, often in school, history classes meant kneeling outside because I wouldn't understand who succeeded whom and which war <laughs> came after uh, which king and so on. All you know, superfluous details which were of no interest to me. Uh, but then it all happened again by happy accident uh, when I was like twelve or thirteen when there was this serial on television those mm-hmm. days uh, called the Sword of Tipu Sultan by Sanjay mm-hmm. Khan. and for those who remember in that serial the mysore royal family was shown in a very very poor light uh, the maharaja was shown like this obese retard who was dancing along with the court dancer and the maharani was like one of those typical vamps who was all the time conspiring and conniving and there were lots of protests about this portrayal in different parts of uh, karnataka and as a young boy Uh, mm-hmm. I think this was my trigger point uh, my moment of epiphany where I just wanted to know the truth from there began a mad quest which lasted almost 10 to 11 years where every vacation meant going to Mysore uh, rummaging the archives there visiting the palace libraries meeting members of the royal family the uh, historians there and it all also became a family project where my parents and my <laughs> grandmother you know they also accompanied me and it, everybody was consumed with this uh, passion but after 10 years and the interest actually expanding to the entire dynasty of the wadiyars of mysore who ruled uh, this part of the country for 600 years Uh, mm-hmm. I realized that you know there was not even a single book written on them in modern times which covered this entire era and that's also you know a bane of Indian historiography where large parts of the country don't even feature in the narrative of India and that's when after 10 11 years of so much of work put in a uh, lot of well-wishers Uh, advise me why don't you put this all together in the form of a book and that's how my first book splendors of royal mysore the untold story of the wadiyars uh, came up it was just a completely unplanned journey uh, destiny's child so to say <laughs> <laughs> the unplanned expedition you didn't like history in school what was it about this story that captured your attention so i really don't know i think it's uh, much more than what meets the eye there was some kind of a connect with this place 
mm-hmm. there were lots of uh, stories that were doing the rounds if you remember sanjay khan's uh, studio got fire and in, in fact his face got burned during this mishap people were attributing it to the curse of the bodyar king who <laughs> misrepresented and that's why he was facing this so i think it was a mixture of fear of the unknown and the, the mystery that it brings together uh, it was more like investigative journalism mm. which is what attracted me uh, there was just so much to unearth like uh, a child who's just led into a candy shop and there's just so much to shop and look around and then yeah. you, know, you want a little bit of everything and that's how my basket got filled is it that you grew up with a with a desire to to uncover mysteries did you grow up on stuff like i don't know agatha christie novels or the hardy <laughs> boys or something <laughs> not really but i must say both uh, reading as well as classical music were constant companions being a lone child and so full credit to my parents actually for having uh, you know introduced me to both the world of books as well as to classical music at a very young age to uh, right. ensure that I took to this very easily. True, but I guess it culminated beautifully for you. What was it like when you visited those palaces at such a young age? To be honest, Akshay, it was as if you were being drawn into a, another era, and I was living through the, this era all all the time. It was a Jekyll and Hyde kind of a life where actually I would come back to my real life of uh, a thirteen, fourteen year old with all the attendant problems and the board exams. but there was this allure to the past and uh, those palace intrigues you know the conspiracies the romance the wars tipu sultan the, the fights with the british these were constantly playing in my head all through and so uh, as a historian i'm actually soaking into that era into the lives of the people it's a constant tussle between living in the past and living in the present and then when right. it actually comes to the point of committing it to paper it's probably the easiest part of the journey because by then you actually relive that whole era in your head so you didn't have a formal education in history when you began all of this and then you say that you went on to uh, engineering college is that correct that's right i did my engineering and a masters in mathematics and then an mba in finance so uh, everything as removed from history as possible but in hindsight i think it was good because i don't think i would have continued to be a historian because of the way it is taught <laughs> <laughs> but much later i thought it's also an empirical science so some amount of academic background is needed and that's when i decided to do a phd in history directly from the university of queensland in australia and uh, oh, very cool. i think that at least equipped me with the tools of historical research and analysis and everybody takes you seriously only if you have a degree right i mean otherwise you can write 100 books but still if you don't have a <laughs> corresponding degree in the subject you're still not as good a not considered an authority on the subject exactly you're still a rookie <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm guessing for a large part of of your thesis would have had to source your actual investigative work, right? Yes. So how did that happen? How did you manage to to accurately cite your investigations? <laughs> well, it was a it was a mix of many uh, sources. So my thesis was on the advent of the gramophone and recording technology and its uh, you know impact on Indian classical music, drawing off from my second book on Gohar Jaan, the first. commercially recorded artist of india so it was looking at the historical uh, episode of recording coming to india the friction between different uh, uh, two different cultures a western culture that was looking at a modern technology as well as the traditional indian classical music and musicians who were resistant to it and the very fact that actually women across india uh, embraced that technology first when this technology came uh, and the men folk actually stayed away from it that's very interesting 
so it was a mix of uh, not only textual material but a lot of uh, leg work travel finding people interviewing uh, you know old timers recording their voices tell us tell us about this paint us a picture of your journey well uh, each journey has been so different for instance uh, you know when i was uh, doing this whole uh, journey into the life of gohar jahan again whose um, story came to me very 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 serendipitously when i was researching about the mysore kings uh, okay. the whole reference to the first recorded musician of the country uh, who died in mysore as a visiting palace musician uh, that yeah. struck my eye and the fact that you know she had died in anonymity lonely and forlorn with none by her bedside to shed tears for her in 1930 that somehow captivated me so but i just decided very obstinately that this was a person whose story deserved to be told and so from the place of her death i went uh, you know looking for her life from mysore to where she was born in azamgarh to banaras darbhanga rampur calcutta where she lived for most of her life then madras wow. bombay and also berlin and london Uh, so it's almost like you know putting together pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, uh, mm-hmm. and you and when you start the journey, you really do not know whether there's light at the end of the tunnel or it's the light of the train coming from the other side. But uh, and I think that whole beauty where it is so unstructured and unplanned, where one episode or one person gives you further leads, then the second person leads you somewhere else and somewhere. you need to trust that you're being guided in this whole journey by some power that is beyond you uh, right. so the more structured and planned the journey becomes then you know it's never worked out uh, i remember even during this research on gohar chan i had accidentally come across uh, the cases that she had to fight in court where she had to prove her parentage that she was indeed her mother's daughter and the calcutta high court Uh, where all these case papers were they decided that we'll just burn all the unimportant civil papers of uh, pre-independence era and in that gohar jahan's papers were also burnt away somebody told me that there was a scribe at the court uh, who was a great fan of classical music he had made copies of all the uh, case papers related to oh, gohar jahan wow. but somehow you know it took several months of investigation to find his house and then me and a friend went there looking for uh, him and then we found that this gentleman had died and his uh, widow who was almost in her 80s was really quite suspicious and also apprehensive about this young man from bangalore who is looking for her husband's papers whether he would be caught for pilferage from the court or whatever Right. and it again took us almost like a week of going repeatedly to her house and you know she finally got so uh, fed up of us and she threw the papers at us and said don't show me your face ever again just take this and leave me so if i have to describe in advance saying you know what's the research journey how do you do it which is what i get asked often i really don't have an answer because episodes and anecdotes like this i really don't plan it just happens and that's the whole joy the beauty the the intellectual you know stimulation that it gives where every journey is so different and within every research journey there are so many sub plots and sub journeys some deeply frustrating some very you know entertaining like the one i just mentioned and has it always been sort of uh, luck by chance as they say that something has come up and, and taken you down a new road or or do you have to sometimes retrace your steps and figure out how to mount the the obstacle uh that also depends because uh yeah like in my re- latest book on 
Savarkar there I think it's a problem of plenty so uh, I think each project uh, presents its own very unique kind of uh, challenges and how one sur- surmounts those despite everything that can go wrong patience is key without that I think it's almost impossible to get on to a journey like this because it's not as if uh, there's one library one source one website if you're doing empirical primary research then you need to leg it out you need to meet people and if not everyone is going to be uh, very nice to you or very yeah. uh, favorable your ego can go for a toss so <laughs> so <laughs> i must ask you i mean gohar jan s balachandra we talked about the wodiyars and now even veer sarvarkar what makes you choose each of these characters was it just random chance that you stumbled upon these characters and and found them interesting well as spooky as it might sound i always say that i don't choose my characters i think my characters choose me <laughs> so <laughs> and i don't do voodoo or any kind of uh, magic <laughs> to bring on spirits but then uh, i think most of them are either forgotten or they are misunderstood maligned they were far ahead of their times their contemporaries just could not understand or fathom them and so they they were just forgotten uh the tides of history just uh, you know washed them away uh somehow i think these characters come looking for redemption through my pen so to say so yeah i'd like to always surrender to something that's probably bigger than us uh you can call it destiny you can call it god the universe whatever uh, you may but uh, something mm. that probably you know wants you to be on this path and do something for certain people who have not probably received their due uh, in their right. life Right, and speaking of not received their due, speaking of maligned and yes. and speaking of ahead of their time, uh, you mentioned earlier that female artists were the first to embrace recording technology. Can you tell us a little bit about what you uncovered while you were investigating this story? Yeah, sure. So uh, that was really, really something that I was uh, uh, very amazed by while I was researching on Gohar Jan. That it was mm. not just her, but across India, uh, it was women. all through the first two decades of the 20th century uh, when recording technology first came to india from london uh, and later from uh, different recording companies from all parts of europe uh, right. that the men folk uh, largely kept away because they were suspicious of this new technology uh, they had all kinds of apprehensions that you know you would lose your voice if you recorded it to that evil english instrument or the gods would be displeased and also i think it was this whole idea that classical music would be compromised upon because these records were only 3 minutes long and so how do you compress uh, something as expansive as indian classical music into a like a pressy writing format uh, kind of a thing but most of these women uh, and they were all from you know the marginalized communities of the wives and devdasis the courtesans of india they took to this technology like fish to water and what it did to their lives was phenomenal they became overnight superstars because they would charge a bomb for their sessions gohar jan used to charge 2000 to 3000 rupees for one recording session oh, uh, wow. which was a huge amount those days and she had cut about 600 uh, records in about 15 languages in her lifetime so the kind of fame wealth they became the page 3 stars and divas their records sold across the country uh, and also outside the country and somehow mm. i think the men folk when they saw what was this recording technology that we had shunned was doing to the women it was making them such famous artists and also wealthy people 
I think right. in typical male fashion, they entered the bastion. Most of the women were then shunned away from the field. The British collaborated in this project of demonization of performing women who were all branched away as uh, common prostitutes. And the stories, the names of several of these women, you know, Gohar Jan of Calcutta, Malka Jan of Agra, Janki Bai of Allahabad, Salem Godavari, Bangalore Nagaratnamma, Miss Coimbatore Thai, Achan Bai of Bombay, Bai Sundra Bai of Pune. I mean, there's a long wow. list, Kali Jan of Delhi. All these names, uh, they don't even, uh, you know, strike even a sense of familiarity among contemporary musicians or people right. of India because I think their names and stories were willfully thrown away into the dustbins of history, excised from both national as well as musical consciousness. That's so unfortunate. Vikram, I think what also has stood out to me is that you come across as a very empathetic person. Am I accurate in assessing that? <laughs> I guess so. I'm too much of an empath perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so, but do you think that your ability to empathize with these characters, I mean, these they're human beings who are characters to type, yeah. Do you think your ability to empathize with them actually helps you, you know, conduct your investigative field work and actually helps you put that research to paper? That's a f- fabulous question. Uh, actually, no one's asked me this, to be honest. <laughs> you know, it's always about the subject. It's never about the person who's doing something about them. I think that's, uh, that's truly, it has both its pros and cons, to be honest. Uh, while it helps me in the research, it doesn't do too much good to my own mental health. I must be uh, honest there that, you know, I being too empathetic to their sufferings or their uh, troubles. I think that bothers me way beyond uh, when the project gets over. It took mm-hmm. me almost two, three years after completing the biography of Gohar Jan that she was still haunting me literally. Her tribulations, her uh, you know tragedies in life, uh, right. they did bother me a lot. And it took a lot of uh, effort to literally get the person out of your system. And yeah. I think then you really need to look for your next love interest. I see. <laughs> Tell me, were you, at the time you were working on the story of Gohajan and even S. Balachandra, was this your full-time job? Were you working a full-time job on the side? Yes, unfortunately I was. So I was with several uh, multinational companies who shall remain unnamed. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's but <fine>. yeah, <laughs> that was another challenge. You know, almost eight, nine years that I you know, labored in the corporate sector, uh, it, was, it was difficult because not many people there really understood the drive of this person who was living probably a very uh, weird life in comparison to what they were doing. Over weekends, there would be plans for an outing and I would be the first person to excuse myself out of everything because I would have a research journey to undertake to meet some widow who's slamming her uh, door on my face. And uh, in fact, in many of the uh, performance review meetings that I would have with my boss, uh, he would really say, you're so good at your work. If only you gave a little more focus to this, you'd... uh, ascend the corporate ladder faster and whatever and I said that's not really my intention I'm just very shamelessly doing it for the money and then you know the minute my parallel career takes off I'm going to go away and follow my heart and follow my passion but uh, it was very apparent that I just did as much work as was necessary to keep me on the payrolls stretching beyond and going beyond and all of that was never my forte because that was not my interest at all but yeah. you didn't go beyond there, but you certainly went beyond to follow your heart. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I'm on the Go Beyond podcast today. So. 
definitely but vikram are you a, a very individually motivated person or did you have to perhaps you know rely on network and and uh, close friends families to be able to bring yourself to capitalize on these opportunities that started <laughs> pouring in yeah in fact i i often joke that i asked my parents what did you think while naming me this because uh, the famous mythological story of vikram and betal where the betal keeps running away and vikram is very persevering and keeps <laughs> trying to get the betal back Uh, i think somewhere the the name is to blame where uh, <laughs> uh, i don't give up easily at all i try till the time i'm really beaten down i i right. keep trying and trying and trying so i think that's that motivation that strength comes from something within <laughs> that, that's lovely to hear and uh, i'm sure that strength played a, a huge role in your ability to put together the archive of indian music uh, i mean how many tracks have you managed to salvage from the dustbins of time <laughs> Well, as of date, we uh, the archive we've uh, restored about fifteen thousand gramophone records from kabaddi shops and chore bazaars from different parts of India. These are across genres like uh, classical music, folk music, early cinema, theatre, voices of great leaders, and all of that. So that too, uh, Akshay was again, as I said, serendipity, serendipity all the time. Uh, so while immediately after the goharjan project i got a fellowship in berlin and i was there for about 6 months and visited most of the sound archives across europe in berlin in paris in vienna london and so on and the two things i noticed was they all had a national sound archive first and the national sound archive also had huge collections of indian voices and most people yeah most people they asked me doesn't india have a national sound archive and you know as an indian and as a student of uh, music and history it was deeply embarrassing for me to admit that we do not have one such institution and so on coming back i actually put this as a proposal to the previous government and said you know why don't we set this up and i'm ready to you know commit my entire time and energy into putting this together of the project of course didn't go anywhere and that's when <laughs> accidentally again i discussed this with mr tv mohandas pai who was uh, then with infosys and he said you know why do you want to run behind governments you set up your own thing and i will be the investor i'll give you the seed capital to begin this whole thing and so with his benevolence we started this archive and uh, imported all the machines to digitize records and also started sourcing these records putting it all on soundcloud where we have an account which already has about 5 lakh followers i never thought anyone would be interested in this kind of thing. that's so, amazing <laughs> yeah. if nothing this music is th- these voices that are being preserved for posterity and not being lost forever right as it's a noble pursuit if anything thank you <laughs> i got to ask you now that you've talked about how some of the individuals you have written about have stayed with you even for years after you've written about them What about achieving closure with the research process? You know, after years and years of meticulous research and footwork that's taken you all across the world, how do you know that this is the right time to write the biography? <laughs> well, that's again a fabulous question. Like I think it's often said of a film, but I think it's more appropriate of a book uh, based on research like this. And I would say a, a book is never completed; it's always abandoned. because uh, you know you just realize that you know you can't go on and on with this because there's never an end to the whole research uh, right. so in fact even after the goharjan book came out and i was still being led to further alleys and uh, gullies with more information and at some point you need to say unless it changes 
dramatically the structure of the plot or the story we need to move on because uh, otherwise you can just get obsessed with one person right. for all your life fair enough you seek the truth through history how can one seek the truth or do you have any words for people seeking truth in times of uncertainty like we're facing right now wow uh one essential uh, i think component uh, especially for a from a historian's point of view Uh, who's out on this sanctimonious uh, i'm seeking truth is to understand that there is there is no one path to finding that truth uh, mm-hmm. and in the case of history there is not even one absolute truth there are multiplicity of truths <laughs> so you know not only multiplicity of paths but multiplicity of destinations uh, where what people did in the past is really not stored in amber somewhere so you need uh, depending on the things that you uncover the things that come your way in your research the documents that show up that's how you reconstruct fragments of the past uh, but then we get so uh, caught up on the absolutist nature of the past of the truth as we see it uh, we become so touchy about characters of the past and that's what uh, uh, you know leads to controversies in the present and the in way the history intrudes art present and particularly if it intrudes politics uh, then you know it's more of a potpourri for disaster <laughs> uh, where it's what is it that we can take as the lessons from history that can help us be more unified as a as humanity going forward the biggest lesson from history is that we cannot be so unified <laughs> at all because human beings it is a little puerile to expect that we'll all be one happy family and that's an ideal that we are looking for it's not going to happen in a house uh, there are going to be differences of opinion between members in a company that you work in there's going to be differences of opinion so what to speak of a nation and uh, between nations interesting and with that vikram i think our chat today unfortunately comes to a close but i must thank you for joining us the way you've painted you know pictures and your stories with your words has really taken me on a journey and i'm sure the listeners will enjoy it as much as i did so thanks for being here thank you akshay it was a great pleasure talking to you and some of the questions you've asked i don't think anyone's asked me such empathetic questions earlier so thank you for those <laughs> my pleasure thank you if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe to and follow the go beyond podcast on www.sonypicturesnetworks.com/podcast You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and a host of other platforms. Don't forget to rate and review us too. Your feedback is very important to us. I've been your host Akshay Kapoor and I look forward to having you join us on the next journey into the beyond.